The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, dear saints, King David, he was a king of a great empire. And he had everything that he ever wanted or desired. But then he wanted more. One day, he saw his neighbor's wife taking a bath, and he schemed to have his wicked ways with her, and it worked. But when she fell pregnant, he covered up his sin by having her husband killed in battle and making her his wife. Now, for almost a year, it seemed that David had gotten away with his adultery and his murder. His people, they suspected nothing. And in fact, they actually admired him for making such a sacrifice as to marrying this pregnant widow of the one of his soldiers who died tragically in the line of duty. Now, outwardly, everything seemed well with King David. But later, he described this period in his life in one of his psalms. And he reveals the turmoil and the torment that had been going on within him, within his own heart. When I kept it all inside, he wrote, my bones turned to powder and my words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. He wrote this in Psalm 32, it's verses 3 and 4. You see, what David was describing here is the torment of his 
guilty conscience. And it is this burden of his conscience that Jesus describes in today's gospel reading for us. When he speaks of those who are weary and heavy laden. You see, he's not talking about physical tiredness, but those under the pressure of a guilty conscience, those who feel the weight of blame and remorse over things that they have done or things that they still are doing. And guilt, it's, it's like a, a pressure that bears down on the sinners and it wears them out. Now, this isn't just a Christian thing. For everyone knows that deep down that there are things they should not be doing and things that they should be doing. And no one respects a person who is a hypocrite. That is, who deliberately violates their own consciences. Doing things that they know are right and wrong. But this tends to bring up the question, what is our conscience? Now, someone once said that the conscience is that still small voice that makes you feel even smaller. The ancient Greeks and Romans personified the torments of conscience through this mythological story of the Ernes or the Furies, which means the angry ones. The Ernes were avenging goddesses who tormented the guilty without any mercy. And they did this to those that did not receive their due punishment for the crimes that they had committed. Now, this ancient idea of conscience as tormenting goddesses, it eventually developed into this notion of a, well, an angel on one shoulder prompting us to do good and a demon on the other, tempting towards evil. And that line of thought, it, well, it gives our conscience a more positive role to play, a role towards good, especially with regard to our future intentions and our actions. And eventually, through the influence of people like Freud, our modern understanding of conscience it developed into this idea of, well, the little man or the little voice inside of us all who guides our decisions and our actions. The point, however, is that everyone, regardless of whether or not they are Christians or they're connected with the church or not, they experience this impulse of their conscience in some way or another to do right or wrong. 
Now, according to the scriptures, our conscience is a gift from God. And it is given specifically to prompt us towards the good and to avoid behaviors and actions that are damaging to us and to others as well. And in this sense, conscience is much like pain. It is a warning for our souls, like pain is a a warning for our bodies. Or to use another analogy, it's like, well, it's like a check engine light in our car that begins to flash to warn us of a problem that needs our attention. But the problem is that our conscience has this annoying tendency to start flashing at the most inconvenient of times. Especially at those times where we really want to just have some fun. But to ignore this impulse of our conscience is like, well, it's like ignoring that flashing light on the dashboard. It won't make it go away. But it will continue to flash, reminding us that unless we change our behavior, we are in danger of suffering a major breakdown. And that is what happens when we suppress our conscience in some way or another, like while seeking approval from someone else, rationalizing what we're doing or pretending that what we're doing, well, it's fine. It's not really wrong because, well, everybody else is doing it. Or perhaps maybe we're even trying to sedate or subdue our conscience with other vices. Things like alcohol. Or maybe even avoiding people and places that have a tendency to reveal our conscience. Maybe family members, maybe places like this, our church. But continually acting against our conscience, well, it's like putting black tape, putting black tape over that check engine light in our car. Yeah, we may no longer see that light flashing or we may no longer feel guilty. But that doesn't mean that the underlying problem that caused the light to come on in the first place, that it has been dealt with properly. In fact, that problem will continue to get worse rather than better leading to other psychological and even sometimes physical problems as well. So rather than suppressing our guilty conscience, Jesus, he is telling us in today's gospel reading to do the very opposite of that. He's telling us 
to humble ourselves, to acknowledge those things, and to come to him. Yes, to come to him with our burdens of guilt and let him deal with it. In his gospel, Jesus is speaking to everyone who is burdened by a guilty conscience. When he says, come to me and I will give you rest. And to come to Jesus, we must first know where to find him. Now, one of the things that Jesus reveals to us in his scriptures is that we can find him in the gathering of his people. He says where there are, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And that's Matthew 18, 20. And what he's talking about there is worship. When we keep Christ as the main thing in our lives, when we focus on him as the object of our worship, And go where other people like us go to worship him in places, yes, just like this, the church. That's where we're going to find him. And that's essentially what worship, what church is all about. We come here. We come here Sunday after Sunday because Jesus, well, he's promised to be here for us. And we come not as people who think of ourselves as better than anyone else, but as people with, yes, very burdened consciences looking for rest. And that's why the Old Testament word for worship was Sabbath. Sabbath means rest. And that rest that Jesus provides for us, it's not so much the physical rest, but it's the rest that comes from having our guilts forgiven. It comes from having our sins pardoned and our shame removed. It's a rest. It's a comfort. It is peace that only he can provide. Now, this happens for us in a number of different ways. But the first way, and probably the most fundamental way, is in our holy baptism. Apart from our adoption into the family of God, the Bible says that baptism is an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can look that up for yourself. It's 1 Peter 3, 21. And that is in baptism, our little ones who are born with original sin receive forgiveness so that they can stand before God with a good conscience. And they can grow up in lives of holiness by obeying the impulses of their cleansed consciences. Now this invitation, it's not just for the infants, for the children. 
Because Jesus, he says, come to me. He says, come to me to all people, no matter who they are or what they have done. There is no sin, there is no crime so great, no burden of the conscience so overwhelming that Jesus cannot and will not forgive it and cleanse it when we simply come to him in our humility and ask for his grace. Remember, even those who put him on the cross, he asked his heavenly father to forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So if you're feeling this burden of guilt and shame and you want to know where to find peace, where to find rest, then accept that invitation from Jesus to come to him. Come to him here where his adopted and chosen people are gathered in his name, his church. Do not deny that invitation because he's calling you. And don't worry that, well, he might reject me because he doesn't turn anyone away. No one that acknowledges him and seeks his help. He is humble and gentle and his yoke His yoke, which is the cross that he bore for everyone, is the yoke which he joins himself to us. And he sees us through all of our tribulations. You see, the the cross, it was a burden for him. But it is so much lighter and easier for us. Though it brought him to his death, it brings new and everlasting life to all who come to him, as well as a life in this world where we experience joy of a truly good conscience in his presence, in his kingdom. Conscience. Conscience, therefore, is a wonderful gift from God. And when we feel its pull, remember, it's calling you, not condemning you. It's seeking to lead you to Christ so that that burden may be removed. So come, dear friends with all of your guilt, with all of your remorse and be forgiven again. Be forgiven in Jesus's holy name. Come with your weariness of heart and your burdens of soul and be refreshed. For that's his promise to each one of us. That's his promise to you. Now may that bring you peace. Thank you.
the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.